Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, we've been talking about brand recognition. What comes to mind when you see a particular image? Last week was brand recognition. This week, we're going to talk about brand integrity. And brand integrity is this. Brand integrity is that when you see a product associated with the brand, you expect it to be the same in every situation that you go to, right? So if you see, for example, this brand, what do you expect of the product in this brand? I need your help here, this one. Fast. It's fast. Fast food. It's what, sorry? Cheap. It's cheap. It should be cheap wherever you go. There's no price fluctuations. It's fast. What about this brand, on the other hand? Excellent. Look at this. <laughs> We've got an amen down the front here. It's excellent. Good brand. Yeah. Expensive. It's always, this stuff's always expensive. Beautiful design. Another one, right? Beautiful design in this brand. It should be the same everywhere you go. What, what do you expect out of this brand? <laughs> and my point exactly and why we need to talk about this this morning. Uh, when you agree, you go to uh, five different churches, you're going to get five different types of Christians. You have the loving type, you'll have the I'm just here to turn up type, you'll have the judgy type of Christian. Uh, wherever you go, you're going to have a different type. In fact, our biggest problem is that there's no brand integrity. And what's even scarier for you and I is that non-Christians expect brand integrity don't they? And here's the revelation. It was such a surprise to me this week. But I've been thinking about it is that your friends and my friends that are not yet Christians, this is really crazy. They expect Jesus' Jesus followers to behave like Jesus. Can you believe that? <laughs> it's crazy, but and you know this to be the case because you've been out there, you've been out and about, it's been a Friday night, things are things are fun, you're relaxed, you say a swear word and, and someone says to you, oh, but hang on, I thought you were a Christian. Anyone ever been in that situation? I've been at this week with one of the neighbours that uh, we've got here upstairs and we were having uh, coffee about some different issues to deal with the building and, and he literally said to me, you know, what would Jesus do in this situation? <laughs> I'm thinking... Jesus was lucky. Jesus didn't have to deal with a strata plan, right? <laughs> but non-Christians expect Christians to behave like Jesus. Don't you think that's fair enough? And, and when you don't, well, they've got a, a term for lack of brand integrity. It's this. It's called hypocrite. Heard that? And if we, go back, if we were to go back to the New Testament and we were to say, Jesus, what did you intend your brand to be like? Jesus, what did your, you want your brand to be like? Jesus, what is the brand integrity that you're looking for? Then Jesus would say, well, I gave you that command and this is how you would know that they are my disciples. This is how you would know that you are staying on brand with each other. The way you would know is that they love one another. They love one another. And what we've been learning this week, because it was your homework, that I told you, just stay with the people inside the church to start. Because loving people, wouldn't you agree, is not easy? People in Super Connect this week asked a great question. 
There are people in the church that I don't like. Do I have to love them? Yes, says Jesus. And therein is the challenge. And so it is difficult enough when you agree over the years. Some of you have got enough experience with this, that loving people inside the church is tricky enough. Now we're going to go to an even more advanced topic this morning. And if Jesus commands us to love one another and to love people, then how are we to respond and act towards not those inside the church, but those outside the church? Well, this is advanced Christianity. (laughs) What does Jesus say about how we treat non-believers, not yet Christians, non-followers of Jesus? And you know what? Nothing says hypocrite faster than when... Christians expect not yet Christians to behave like Christians. Do <laughs> you agree? But we do that. We do that all the time. We, and and over, over the course of history, like the church has been way better. Haven't you found this? The church has been way better at policing the behavior of people who are not yet Christians than they are of their own behavior. And we wonder... Church, why there's an issue with our influence in society today, right? And we're we're really good at that. And I think that's because, look, we just followed the Great Commission throughout history. And Jesus said, right, in the Great Commission, you go out into all the world and defend your position and police the behavior of those outside the church. That's what he said, right, in Matthew 28. (laughs) But that's what we've done. I'm not saying it's what you've done, it's what Christians before us have done, and that's why we're here and that's why we need to talk about this because look Jesus didn't say coerce or threaten or guilt people into following him Jesus's plan was that his followers would draw people to him through their love and we muck that up particularly when it comes to outsiders and so we need to talk about that this morning and so look if you are not yet a follower of Jesus Um, you're going to find this really refreshing and liberating. You might even feel vindicated this morning about what I'm going to say. If if you are a follower of Jesus, particularly if you know the the classic sort of right-leaning, conservative, police-to-behavior type of Christian, you're going to find this pretty frustrating. But the story of the early church is really clear. And this is the surprising thing for me, is that, wouldn't you believe it, Early Christians didn't expect non-Jesus followers to behave like Jesus followers. And this is the radical thing. Early Christians just expected Jesus followers to behave like Jesus followers. Can you believe this? It's crazy. And what is baffling to me is it's so clear throughout the Scriptures uh, that... All throughout the New Testament, it's modelled. All through the life of Jesus, it's modelled that way. In all the letters to the early churches, it's modelled this way. And yet somehow we've got it wrong in history. And so I want to take you back to a little snapshot and a case study of a church leader who deals with this issue and this tension between how we're supposed to love and relate to outsiders in the church. And so we go to a city called Corinth and it looks like this. Oh, who's that guy? (laughs) Embarrassing. (sighs) You know, come with me now on Sam's ancient Christian sites. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think I've got a few more KGs up there too. That's, uh, I need to find a different photo. Um, the ancient city of Corinth, that's a temple of Apollo, and right up the very back there, up on the top of the hill, actually, is a whole other 
city called the Acrocorinth, or the city above Corinth. And Corinth is about 70 kilometers southwest of the city of Athens. It's drivable by, by, by car. That's what we did for the day instead of going to the airport. And we went and visited there. And, and Corinth was like the Las Vegas of the ancient world. It was the Las Vegas of the ancient world. You know that phrase, you know, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. What happens in Corinth stays in Corinth, right? Because the t- up, up above there, up in the Acro Corinth, was all of these... Um, uh, special prostitutes, temple prostitutes of the pagan religions where everyone would travel from miles away to come and sleep with the prostitutes. And so it was an incredibly debaucherous town and it was full of all sorts of different mixed cultures and it was, f- was full of all different levels and grades and perspective on morality. And it's in that place that a little church starts and a church of 25 to 50 people and the Apostle Paul a guy that was Saul, a guy trying to kill Christians and becomes a Christian, writes to this church to give them some guidance and to tell them how to relate to people who are outside of the church. And so you can imagine, imagine if you're in this place, in this culture, the struggle between all of this craziness that's going around you and this new set of behaviours that you're supposed to live by. And so we, we dive into Uh, a particularly heavy example of what Paul has to deal with in the church. And he's discovered, whilst he's away from the church, uh, that there's been a guy in the small group, because that's all the church was at the time, a guy in the small group is sleeping with his father's ex-wife. And at at the beginning of the letter of 1 Corinthians 5, like he says, this is so crazy, even the pagans kind of find this weird. That's how bad the behavior is, right? (laughs) Even they're going, that's off. That's kind of off, right? And what shocks him is that the church and his small group are, are high-fiving this guy for his behavior. And so Paul's like flabbergasted. And so here's where we dive into the scriptures this morning in verse 3. For my part, even though I'm not physically present, that's because he's writing them a letter. He's heard about this. He said, I am with you in spirit. And as one who is present with you in this way, in spirit, I have already passed judgment in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ on the one who has been doing this. I've already passed judgment, right? And then he then goes on to say, as he continues further in his letter, he then says, though, for what business is it of mine to judge those who are outside the church? Aren't you to judge those on the inside? God will judge those on the outside. And so here's Paul's principle of how you relate to people outside the church. You accept the outsider and you judge the insider. You accept the outsider and you judge the insider. I can see people already starting to cringe because they're going, hang on, like this is the sort of thing that gave rise to this brand of Christianity. Before you freak out, I'm going to explain it. So just chill. (laughs) Just relax. But he says quite clearly, accept the outsider, judge the insider. In fact, he said this behavior was so bad from this guy, kick him out of the church, let him go live his life. And then if he's willing to get his senses, then he can come back into the church. So bad is the behavior, right? And so refresh a, refresh a quiz class. Uh, who, who is supposed to judge the outsider? No cheating. God. Who's supposed to judge the insider? Us. God for the outsider, us for the insider. 
And so that's why, like, we're going to go old school so we can remember this. And, uh, and I've got a little phrase for, it all, for us all this morning. I love it. Andy Stanley used it. It's a great phrase. And we're all going to say it together in that sort of Pentecostal style. If you don't know what Pentecostal means, it means you actually kind of move in church during the 20 minutes that we've got together. You kind of don't have to stand there like that. You can wave your arms or whatever. But we're going to repeat after me. You judge the believing, not the heathen. <laughs> Race after me, judge the believing, the heathen. There we go. Now, I hate that word, the heathen. Of course, we love those who are outside the church, but, you know, it's those classic religious Christian phrases. Judge the believing, not the heathen. And what's fascinating is that you will see throughout the Scriptures that it's very clear that we are to judge one another. And, and we need to because the tension we have if we totally accept the outsider is this is what happens. And again, particularly if you're that conservative style of Christian and you're hearing Sam say that we're to accept the outsider. In fact, this phrase and this passage was the biblical basis behind why I always say that you can belong before you believe and you believe before you behave. You can belong as an outsider with acceptance and without judgment because you haven't signed up to the Christian thing yet. It's why as a church, one of our core values is that we are a church that accepts people where they are at, helping them to become all that God has designed them to be. That's the biblical reason behind that, if you wanted that. So we accept the outsider and we judge the insider. To which a conservative person will go, hang on, but if you just accept outsiders, they're going to bring all this behavior into the church and, and they're going to do all this sort of weird sort of stuff and they're going to do it in front of my kids and there's all sorts of weird things happening and the church is just going to go to hell. Right? They get, they get fired up and we get freaked out about that. And can I say in advance, yeah, like church is messy. And if you want proof of it, look at the Corinthian church. They're a total mess compared to us. No one yet that I've seen in our small groups that are dealing with that sort of behavior. <laughs> and here's the principle. If, if we got all you know, conservative and judgy on the outsiders in the Corinthian church, the whole thing would never have started. And we wouldn't be sitting here today. And so we accept unconditionally, but not without accountability. Because what we'll see throughout the scriptures is... You know, the Bible doesn't tell us not to judge. The Bible tells us who to judge. Hear the difference? It says you judge the insiders. And, but look, here, and this is where people are getting nervous. Um, because I've, haven't you seen in, in your life, your church life, and maybe this has been your story of like why you've been hurt by the church or you've been burnt by the church, is that someone who had no business judging you inside the church came and passed judgment on you for your life circumstances that they knew nothing about? I know your stories. I know there are some of you that that is your story. And so there is a type of judgment for within the church. There's a judgment that can hurt, and some of you experience that. But you know what? There's also a judgment that can heal. And the first thing that I want to be really clear with us as a church is that you need to judge to love. In fact, you can't love a person without judging a person. It's, just, it's really clear that you can't love if you don't judge. Like I've always said here that the opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. The opposite of love is not hate, it's indifference. Like Imagine if you had a kid or a niece or a grandkid 
or a good friend that became a cocaine addict. What do you say to that? Ah, kids, shucks, love them. No, you go, you go in and you, you fight and you wrestle and you say, stop that. That's not good for the way that you're supposed to be living your life. You make a judgment call. To judge is to love. So this is not a witch hunt, by the way. This is not like when you go home. Oh, yeah, you know, you email me during the week. I went home and, you know, Shelley drove at 65 instead of 60 in a 60 zone. Like, I'm not, I'm not talking that sort of judgment, right? Um, I'm, I'm talking about the sort of judgment that if you signed up to be a part of this family, anyone who is a parent or you've been a child knows uh, that we have had somewhere, somewhere along the line, maybe it was mum, maybe it was dad, they would say this to you, my house, my rules. Anyone ever been there with that? My house, my rules. My parents were like that. My parents would be like that. I would, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be at home and, and I'd, I'd want to go out late at night and parents would say, no, my house, my rules, you know. I, I would want a, a Voltron uh, toy that one of the kids got at school that was worth like 340 bucks in the 80s, which is like $40,000 in today's term, <laughs> Right? I just want a Voltron. Dad say to me, like, I, I don't care if the Smiths have got a Voltron. Like, in our family, you're not having that. My house, my rules. Any, any, anyone been there? Right? Any, anyone who's lived in a strong, solid household have realized that mom or dad or the guardian or whatever came in and they judged you for your behavior and they said, I don't care what the Smiths are doing. My house, my rules. Now, doesn't that sound incredibly like what Paul was saying to us in the scriptures this morning. When Paul says what business of it is mine to judge those outside the church, what Paul was saying is, if they want to live that way, let them live that way. (laughs) But if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, and if you want to live in this house, his house, his rules. That sound fair? His house, his rules. If you want to be part of his family, judge the insider, his rules. But Here's the thing, the way that we judge is absolutely critical. You've got to judge to love, but there's a way that you judge that can hurt or you can heal. And the way that you judge in a way that heals is you don't just judge to love, but you judge through love. And when I talk about love, the way that I define love is love is to will the good of the other person. So it's to judge in a way that wills the good of the other person. It's, it's a way that thinks of their needs and their nuance and where they're at. And it's a judgment that says, this person is out of line, but how do I will their good? How do I get through them? How do I help them see? Is there an opportunity for revelation in all of this? The classic example that I've had is that about 10 or 12 years ago, when I was a young adults pastor here, and this guy's now, you know, long gone from Northside and moved up north. And so it's safe to share, I won't use any names. But as a young adults pastor, he came into my office and he said, Sam, uh, I just need to say to you that um, I've just come back from a work trip in the country for two weeks. And I've just been on a Tinder binge for two weeks. To which I said to him, like, if you're obsessed with going to the country to go and make bonfires, then that's your prerogative. But... Okay, bad joke. <laughs> I know what Tinder is. And if you don't know what Tinder is, it's an app where you um, instantly hook up with people. And so he said, I- I've, been, I've been with like 10 different women in as many nights and I feel physically sick. 
Now, question class, how do you judge in that situation? I mean, some of you would start unleashing that, oh, the Bible says that you shouldn't have sex before marriage. Didn't you know that? Let me read it to you. A bit late for that. At the other end of the spectrum, do we go, don't worry, buddy, chin up, come for pizza this week? Where do you sit in that spectrum? And it's, it's, it's nuanced. It's, it's, is this, you know, was this guy a leader of the church? No, he wasn't in leadership. Did he sign up for the family? Yes, of course, he's a follower of Jesus. So Jesus' house, Jesus' rules. So where in order to will his good? Is he up for some revelation in this? Is he up for a discussion around this? Does he need, does he need the, the hammer to come down upon him or does he need encouragement? You know, when he said that he feels sick, you know, it's so like that verse in Romans 6 where it says the wages of sin is death. And what it means in that moment, I think, is that when we sin, and he had sinned, that it, it doesn't mean that, that he gets struck down by God in that moment. When that guy is sitting there and you can see the look on his face that he feels physically ill on the inside from what he's done, that's like a mini death. Sin itself was punishing the guy. And so as a pastor in that moment, there's a moment in which the arm comes around him and says, you're not in a significant position of leadership, but yes, you are a part of the family. Come on, buddy, you know better than that. And I sense through the way that you're talking to me and the conviction that you have in your heart that you know better than that. There's grace for you in this space, but there's also truth to say, you know that is not the best way to live. There is a way to judge that hurts and there's a way to judge that heals. But there was still judgment. It's not a place where it's a free-for-all, but it's the way that we go about it that absolutely means everything. And you see this in the life of Jesus. Jesus, throughout his ministry with people, is always at the very beginning, high invitation, low challenge. Remember? Come and see. Just come and see. Come hang out. Hundreds of people out here. Just come. And they probably had crazy lifestyles. Then you go forward and there's through to high challenge, low invitation. Remember the four guys in their boat? Come and I'll make you fishers of men. Not everyone gets to this stage. And when you get to this stage, there's expectation. There's levels of maturity. There's levels of nuance. There's levels of accountability when you sit up in this stage. You know, pop quiz, if I came to you in my role and said, I've just been on a Tinder binge for two weeks, do you think that would be acceptable? Absolutely not. High challenge, low invitation. Low challenge, high invitation. Belong before you believe. And you believe before you behave. This making sense? Man, I wish the church got this right over the years, don't you? And we're still not going to get it right. By the way, this is the thing that scares me most. We're not going to get it right. And you know what? You and I are going to say some dumb and stupid things to people in these moments, and we're going to hurt them. And we've just got to pray in advance that there's a bit of God's grace in all of this. But if we can capture this principle, uh, when we move into the sort of church that accepts people where they're at, helping them to become all that God has designed them to be, if we can capture this principle this morning as we take this out with us, I think that we're going to do pretty well, right? I think you're going to do pretty well. And here's the principle. When you judge an insider, are you judging them to punish them or preserve them?
Do you judge to prove a point? Or do you judge to build them up? And it's that distinction that I see in Christians that is absolutely the distinction between the sorts of places that become judgy McJudgy, the sorts of places that, are, that exactly your friends and my friends get frustrated with and that are losing credibility and influence with the society around us. But the sort of place that people can come into and know that they have my best interests at heart, they are for me, they are with me, that's the sort of place that is still present with the sort of judgment, but the sort of judgment that heals. And the side note is, to get to this point, you kind of have to be in relationship. Haven't you found this? That's why you've got to do group. That's why you've got to be in relationships that are so close that people have the confidence to say, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And if you're constantly off in the periphery, then there's not an opportunity, first and foremost, to speak into people's lives. But also, if you live on the periphery, no one can speak into you. And that's a scary place to be. Church is just, did you know this? Church is just one big weekly 360 performance review. I'm sure you all love them at work. But it's the same principle in the corporate world as it is the spiritual world. How else do you grow in your role at work? Thanks for the feedback. I didn't see that. We, we take it, we move forward and we grow. So do you, do you judge to punish or preserve? And if some of you are confused this morning as we finish, like if you're worried, if you're starting to get scared of like, you know, Sam, if I, if I take this, I don't know, am I going to be religious this morning with this? Am I I'm going to do the wrong thing in all of this? Here's the telltale for you this morning. If the thought of judging people energizes you, you're probably not on the right track, okay? If you're the sort of person that's already looked across the auditorium and done the scan and said, I know exactly who I'm having coffee with this week and Sam said that I should do it, you know what, don't look across, you don't need to look across the auditorium, you need to look in the mirror. And when you look into the mirror, you need to say to yourself as you do that, hey Sam, Jesus accepted you wherever you were at. So why are you judging them for where they're at? Because it's your business and it's my business to do everything we can to live the sort of lives that maintains brand integrity. Your friends and my friends expect you and I to look and behave like Jesus. And the way that we do that is through love. And so can you imagine what Sydney would look like if there were a whole bunch of churches around the place, a whole bunch of churches and thousands of Christians that wherever they are in, in, in Sydney and whatever denomination they're from and whatever church they're from, just loved outsiders and they judged the insider with love. Imagine what this city could look like. And that's what the Apostle Paul said to his church when he said, judge the believer, not the heathen. He said, just focus on your own game. It's your responsibility to live your life, but don't hold the outsider accountable to a behavioral standard that they never signed up for in the first place. He said, don't judge, but do judge. <laughs> judge the insider to love, judge them to love them and judge them through love. And so Jesus follows, can we make a deal this morning amongst each other? You with me? Just lean in for a second. Can we make a deal? Are you, are you up for holding each other 
accountable to the standards of Jesus and to his house rules. Are you guys up for that? And what I mean by that is like, are you up for you know, slander, gossip, and politics, and all the stupid stuff that goes on with churches? Are you up for defending that? Are you, are you up for being courageous enough? And people in your groups or over coffee or whatever it might be, just being able to say, I don't, I don't think that makes Jesus' command to love one another, don't you reckon, Jenny? You up for that? And I'll say too, I, I put my behavior up for that sort of judgment as well. I certainly do it through our eldership. We, you, know, you only have to go and read a couple of papers or a few blogs at the moment to see the sort of hassle that the contemporary church in Sydney is going through. And the pain that we all Christians, including those that I love dearly in these places, where there is a lack of accountability, and there is a lack of judgment, and there is a lack of transparency, and there is a lack of confidence in the congregation, in order to hold each other accountable to the standards of Jesus. And so if I'm the first one that's out of line, you put your arm around me over a coffee and say, brother, I just, I think this is a bit off. What do you reckon? Everyone in this place knows Jesus says to you and I this morning, my house, my rules. My house, my rules. If the Smiths want to live like that, that's fine. Let them go live like that. That's fine. But as for you Christians, my house, my rules, my rule is this, love one another. How do we do that? Well, grace and truth. We'll talk about that next week. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the way that I have seen in this place over the years in the DNA of this church that accepts people where they're at, that this has been a place, Lord, that has loved people, loved people in the middle of their divorce, loved people in the middle of a family breakdown, loved people as they've been wrestling through questions around theology. And Lord, I would pray that as we've heard from your word this morning, the reason for all of this, that everyone that calls themselves a Northsider for this season that you have them here would steward and defend that sort of culture that would keep the doors to this church one that is radically open of acceptance to the outsider a place where they feel that they can belong before they believe and they believe before they behave Lord it's going to take wrestle and nuance and it's going to take maybe an argument or two between believers but Lord we trust that we are guided by your Holy Spirit to be the sort of place that brings a healing judgment into one another's lives. And in so doing, Lord, I pray, oh Lord, I pray that each and every one of us through this dynamic, tense wrestle that is Christianity together in your church, that at the end of it, we just look a little bit more like you, Jesus. Help us in that, I pray. Amen. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.